Hello everyone, my name is Strangely Duesberg, and this is Pochmancier. Thanks so much for joining us this week for Chapter 6. I'm really excited about this one as it introduces what I believe is my personal favorite character in this story, uh, but you'll hear that as soon as the chapter starts. I've got a couple announcements about current and upcoming projects, which you can hear after the main episode, but I just thought I'd let you know that there's some really exciting stuff coming up this week. So uh, yeah, hope you stick around for that. And uh, without further ado, let's get to that chapter. Borchmansier, a novel by Strangely Duesberg. Chapter 6 Alleys are to streets what sidekicks are to the heroes of classic cinema, similar in function and performing much the same duties. They somehow always manage to be secretly cooler than their accomplices. Alleys are surreptitious places, almost tailor-made for clandestine meetings and deeds of ill repute. And yet, they call to us. They whisper of hidden knowledge and the road less taken. No coincidence, then, that they often provide safe refuge for the downtrodden, the dispossessed, and the desolate. The very evening of Eleanor's first visit to Martin's, a curious thing occurs in the alley so recently vacated by our melancholy prophet. Into this byway, awash in the evening's gray twilight, strides the selfsame cat so recently tripped over. A mangy beast, aged to apparent sexlessness, more skeleton than flesh. This is the feline equivalent of the natty prophet. A sadness on four legs, palpable with decay. A heartbreak in fur. This cat, at something near 32 years of age, is much older than anyone would be able to guess from looking at it. Though age and pitiful condition render it alike in form to the vagabond prophet, this is where the similarities end. This cat is far crueler and much cleverer. A creature possessed of a will to live far stronger than most self-respecting two-legged folk. Too stubborn and crafty to ever quite die. A cat able to lay so still, its position so pitiful, as to seem dead. A trick it often uses to great effect when hunting the suspicious pigeons and rooks which infest any city. Though cats do not speak our tongue, nor we theirs, I have managed to learn that this particular cat likes to think of itself as Slice, a self-chosen name after the way its claws rend the flesh of its prey, or destroy the soft things which displease it. Slice is displeased with many soft things, and most living creatures have learned to avoid it whenever possible. Even the flea-ridden feral dogs and coyotes that skulk along the less traveled thoroughfares of the city give it a wide berth, both tribes having lost more than a few of their number to the cold cunning of the creature. A number of years ago, an animal control officer working for the local police department was found dead in his crashed van. His throat had been cut with an unknown instrument of incredible delicacy. His logbook recorded that he had responded to a call requesting the removal of an aggressive cat which had been terrorizing neighborhood children and pets. It seems he had apprehended the feline, put it in one of the cages in his van, and gone on about his duties. Although nobody saw what happened, I find it hard to ignore what simple logic would seem to indicate. In any case, Slice is not a creature to be trifled with. Little thought is spared for past battles, for Slice is hungry. 
The dark time is coming, and the bright time will soon be gone. Perfect. Slice will eat very soon. Mouse. Slice follows the smell of the tiny animal's trail along the alley, walking with the kind of lazy purpose common among the feline folk. There is no hurry. The scent is fresh. Soon, Slice will find the mouse home, enter it, and slaughter the tiny morsels. Unlike most cats, this one enjoys squeezing into tiny holes, pipes, and burrows. Becoming stuck is no great matter. If this were to occur, Slice will just vomit and void its bowels. If this still does not cause it to be thin enough, the stench alone will keep any would-be enemies away. After a time, Slice will wriggle free or starve itself thin, soon to be about the business of pouncing and killing once again. The mouse trail leads to an alcove, hours earlier the shelter of the mangy prophet, and through a crack under the door scarce big enough to admit a hand, let alone a common cat. But Slice is no common cat. The creature purrs, a quiet, almost pompous sound. Beyond the door, a corridor, littered about with the detritus of that certain species of human, those who drink the foul liquids that burn the eye. Slice has spent countless hours spying on them as they cry, rant, or pleasure themselves. The cat is fond of such humans. They tend to get careless when they drink, which they do often. Food is easy to come by when they are close. This place, though, to the cat's annoyance, smells more of mice than the revels of forgotten folk. The purring ceases. Sniffing with derision, Slice continues through the room and into the cavernous space beyond. Something is different here. The smell of mouse is stronger, much stronger, but now it is mixed with that of fear. Many mice have died here, and not well. The thought gives Slice no small amount of pleasure, but also brings with it an unwelcome wariness. The smell of dead mouse is nothing to worry about, but this other thing could be trouble. The tatty remains of Slice's ears fold back against its head. It pads forward into the space, sliding in inky silence from one shadow to another. Slice freezes. Up ahead, across an expanse of painted boards, something is moving. A large thing, man-sized, man-shaped, but wrong. It does not smell of man, not at all. It seems to be crouching in a lumpy circle. Slice takes a careful sniff and creeps closer still. The scent of dead mouse grows even stronger. With a rush of comprehension, Slice sees the circle surrounding the thing is made of dead mice. The hesitation and fear that had been building dissipate. Here is food. Slice takes a step forward, and then one of the dead mice twitches. The cat pauses. With a susurrus, the whole flock of mice stands up and turns, dead little eyelids snapping open with a sound like a thousand fleas leaping. The thing in their midst lifts a face toward Slice. Not a face, but something like one, for it has two glittering eyes. It is often said that to gaze into the eyes of a cat is to look back to a time before we walked the earth. Peer too long, though, and you may feel a growing prickle on the back of your neck. 
This intuition can grow, if you are not careful, into deepest terror. Slice fears nothing. It has not felt more than the necessity to move elsewhere from a danger for many years. Now, though, looking into those eyes, Slice feels fear. A deep and abiding dread. Terror. The mice begin to walk forward as the thing makes a sound. If Slice was human, it may have thought the sound to be Hello! But the nature of the noise means nothing to the cat. With a yawping shriek, Slice is off, back toward the door. All thought of eating banished in a wild scramble for survival. Something moves off to the side and Slice risks a quick glance. Dozens of dead mice are weaving through the debris, seeking to cut the cat off before it can escape. Slice yowls in fear and puts on an extra burst of speed, all its thought bent toward reaching the door just ahead of the skittering throng which pursue it. With a Herculean effort of feline will, it squeezes through the gap below the door and takes off into the night. Screaming enough to wake the dead, it bounds off a wall of the alley and leaps atop a trash bin. Slice scrambles up an old tarred pole, oblivious to the fact it is no longer being followed. 200 feet above the pavement, Slice finally halts, panting and drenched in sweat. The cat rubbernecks, eyes lolling, up, down, aside, and center, gaze roving but finding nothing to justify the still rabbit-paced heart within its chest. Safe, then. The cat hisses, then goes still as a statue. It listens. Body relaxing in only the most grudging, slow fashion. Slice sneezes, the sound dripping disdain. The cat begins to groom itself, a haughty monarch atop the remains of a bird's nest, long ago pillaged. Far below, the sullen dog walker passes by on the sidewalk, lifting an uncaring face against the drizzle and regarding the cat. For a moment, their gazes meet, and Slice feels hackles rising. But then the human is being yanked along by the insistent forward momentum of the dogs. Well, that was chapter six. I'm sorry that one was a little bit shorter than I often have, but that is just how that particular chapter ended up. And I didn't really want to get into the next chapter as it's sort of a tonal shift, but that is coming next week. I am... Very excited to tell all of you that I'm going to be releasing a brand new music video in just under two weeks. So look for that. It's for my song Fishing Poles, which is on my brand new album, A Song in My Pocket. I'm actually doing an album release show at the Honeymoon here in beautiful Bellingham, Washington on May the 5th at 7 p.m. at Honeymoon. I will be screening the new music video for folks there. If you can't make it up to Bellingham and you want to get a special uh, look-see ahead at the video before its official release date, I will be putting it up on my Patreon page uh, for my Patreon subscribers. However, you don't actually have to pay any money to look at my Patreon stuff. You can just uh, go there and check it out. Patreon.com slash strangely. The music video is for my patrons, but uh, if you wanted to get a little sneaky little uh, peek, you could just go to the Patreon page and look at it. The official sort of wide release promoted 
release date of the video will be, oh my goodness, I should have looked this up, May 13? Sure, May 13. That sounds good. I think that's a Friday. So that's probably a good idea. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? I will see you all next time for Chapter 7 of Blades and Cups.